This is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. This week, we've got a special podcast for you because I'm being joined by a special guest, Jordy Mumby. I'm going to let him introduce himself here in a moment, but first, I want to let you know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be picking up on the conversation about salvation that we had last week with Steve, and specifically this time, we're going to be talking about what your view of salvation how that impacts your life in the day-to-day, and also how the church as a whole, as the body of Christ, how our view and understanding of salvation impacts the way we show Jesus to the rest of the world, the way we experience Jesus in our daily lives, and so on and so forth. So stay right there and enjoy the ride, because this is The Uncommon Truth. So I'm here with Jordy. And uh, Jordy is our special guest today. Jordy is from Canada, where I came from, but he's a real Canadian. And uh, I I love Friday mornings with Jordy because he's really good at bringing in the NHL and and all things random and Canadian, usually when he gets ready for chapel. I'm a little bit tired last night because I stayed up watching the, the game six of the Avalanche and Sharks. And I know we're here in Sharks country, but I was just glad to see the beards get knocked down. If you're if you're listening in Canada, then you kind of understand what we're talking about. And if you're listening in California, you're probably not a Sharks fan because there aren't that many of you. Sorry, um, <laughs> but Jordy Jordy is from Canada. He's the director of our School of Transformation here at the Father's House Church, and I invited him here in, for a few reasons. One, he was one of my main targets for a guest when we first started. And I just love sitting in his class. Uh, I got to finish the School of Transformation back in March, and it was it was awesome. I loved it, and I I just really wanted to get him in here. And two, we have a really good opportunity because Steve and Vicky, his wife, are out somewhere in the North Atlantic. Um, I, I follow the podcast stats, and I can see where they're listening. So I think they're they were in Sweden and Finland, and now they I think they escaped Russia which was sort of hard for people of their generation to go openly to Russia. And they survived, apparently, according to social media. So instead of Steve, we've got Jordy Mumby here. So, uh, Jordy, I want you to tell me, where would you come from and why would you come here? I am from Edmonton, Alberta. Woo! Yes, the frigid north. <laughs> and uh, I made my way to uh, Toronto eventually. Because I was looking for a new job, I was looking for something else to pursue. Mm-hmm. I was I was working in the tree industry in, in Edmonton, and uh, needed something different. So I moved to uh, Toronto, and, and when I moved to Toronto, we went to a, a church there, Toronto Airport a Christian mm-hmm. Fellowship, and that's where the school of ministry was. And event, eventually, ended up doing the school of ministry. And part of the school of ministry is to send you on a uh, a month long mission trip. And so, okay. of all places, they sent me to Oroville. <laughs> And I was not very happy about it. So, what was your what's your first like impression of Orville? Because I I told people in the first episode what mine was. We we came here like late at night, and there was a dude riding his bike with no wheels, and he just seemed like that was his normal day. And yeah, um, we're we're actually so we're coming to you from Orville, and we're in the the sort of stinky nursery because somebody forgot to take out the diapers. <laughs> um, and so if you hear some weird noises in the background, we are straight in the middle of this south side place in Oroville, and you might hear some souped up cars and you might hear some, you know, random things. But what were your impressions when you first came to Oroville? What was it like? Well, the reason I wasn't very happy about getting sent here is because everybody else is going these 
these fantastic places like Denmark and Brazil. And as a Canadian boy, he said, oh, you're going to California. I like, I can drive to California. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he showed up in, in, uh, in Orville. And uh, I have never witnessed poverty like this in my life. You know, growing up, uh, you know, middle class, I guess. Yeah. You know, you just, you never really immerse yourself in uh, poverty like, like sort this. of avoid it if you can, right? Yeah, you didn't. You didn't go into it for sure, mm-hmm. and and so the, the the normal impression that we had was just like, where are we? You know, it was <laughs> yeah, dirt for front yard. It doesn't feel like the U.S., does it? it no, it's like people or didn't have North windows. America, really. People didn't have doors. It was mm-hmm. uh, kids uh, just left to do whatever they wanted. It was yeah. it was a wild environment to step into first first impression. Yeah, and so you came here for a month, and you did a. Did a bit of a, what we would call Project 61, right? Like, right. just got immersed in everything. Yeah. And then what? This is exactly where I wanted to be. Like, okay. I, I met Jesus in 2001. And I, I was looking more and more for Jesus everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and when I showed up in Oroville, it was, it was obvious. It was, uh, Jesus has to be real here or people are going to die. Wow. And that's where I... I really wanted to be. I needed to be in a place where Jesus had to come through. He so, had to be real to, in, in people's lives, or or the outcome was just horrible. Wow. Yeah. Just straight practical. If Jesus isn't real, it's gonna like people are gonna just be left to nothing, right? Wow. Right. And if he is real, people are actually going to see absolute transformation because the hopelessness that exists in Southside has to be met by something, and, and Jesus is hope. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly where I wanted to be. Okay. And so after that month, what happened then? I knew that I was supposed to come back. Um, I I took a, a bit of a detour, though. I ended up doing a, a year at, at Bethel, Bethel School, and getting some training up there. But since it's just 85 miles up the road, like we, we could commute back and forth every month mm-hmm. and just can continue to maintain this relationship. Of, yeah. And this is where I want to be. Okay. And so we set our sights to come back to Oroville. And we were back within probably a year, year and a half, you know, from that initial meeting. Yeah. You know. Steve talks about the shell sign that said hell. Yeah. Uh, when you came into town. I've never been able to find it. But have you did you see that sign? No, it, it, it was, didn't exist. It was a burned out a burned out S sign. Or a burned out S in the shell sign. Was that a real sign or is it just is it a really good analogy <laughs> that he, he pulls out of his it was, back pocket? It's a true sign. I've never seen it though. It must have been replaced, huh? Yeah. It, well, it's a 76 station now. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Ah, they got bought out. <laughs> Hell got bought out by Route 76. So, okay, you you were a Christian. You grew up in a Christian home, right? Because yes. today we're, we're talking about salvation. We're having the second part of our conversation that Steve and I had last week where we talked about what the biblical, biblical accurate view or um, consistent view of salvation is. And it surprised me when I first came here to find that it's actually a lot different than what most of us would call salvation and how confused we were. So that's what we talked about last week. Um, but what what did you grow up with in terms of your knowledge of salvation, what your life looked like? My my knowledge of salvation was, was a childish one. It was, if I just confessed that I believed, then I was good to go. Mm-hmm. So we grew up, I'm going to call it Lutheran, although it wasn't. I think that's just for a greater understanding of kind of the environment that I was in. Yeah. And so there's a profession of faith you do when you're 14, and you stand up in front of the church, and you say, I profess 
Mm-hmm. God, I believe in God. You do the catechism, the whole thing, and, and you're good. And so yeah. that's kind of like my understanding of what salvation was back then. It was just, I know God. He knows me. We're good. Yep. <laughs> that was pretty much it. See it, see at the end. You <laughs> see know, at like, the end, exactly. Yeah. And so then, what did your life? What did your life look like as far as as the things? So we talked about a few episodes back. Like there, a Christianity that works, as we say around here, should be evident by something in your life. Whether the things that that Christianity actually promises, which is peace and and joy and and results. Did your life have any of that? No, with I, that no, I had childish that. understanding. I, I had none of that. I was, I was completely miserable. I hated everybody. Uh, I uh, was antisocial. I couldn't have friends. Uh, mm. I was isolated, or you know, by my own, you know, desire to isolate. Yeah, I was just alone all the time. You know, mm-hmm. and it, I was, it was miserable. And I thought I could do this whole life by myself. And I was very independent in my thinking. Yeah. So my Christianity didn't really produce anything. I thought God was watching me, and um, the worse my life got, the more I blamed it on God. Hmm. And it was, it was a very confusing place to be. Yeah, you know? yeah. That sounds. I think a lot of people out there would probably relate to that. Um, and so, when did that start to turn around? That started in Toronto, and then um, where where would you say? It just walked me through a little bit of that journey of understanding. The, yeah. the the view that Steve holds of salvation. When did you start kind of getting a grip on that? Well, everything changed when when I actually met Jesus for real. Mm. Was when I had my what I call my conversion experience. Is is when I was at the end of my rope and I was I was living a horrible life and living in my parents' basement and you know that's always like, fun. Yeah, and drinking and just yeah, having a job and not really knowing where my life is going and. And I went to church. It was a it was a vineyard church at the time, and I had an experience with God. Like God showed up mm-hmm. in in that place, and He was real, and He was more real than any living thing. And it was like God just decided to mm-hmm. come and meet me in that moment. And when He met me in that moment, it was it was okay. I need I know what I need to do with my life. I need to submit my life to God. Yeah, for real, and not just what I thought was was good for me in terms of Christianity, but in terms of He will now be Lord of my life. Yeah. And so I submitted my life to him and that's when everything started to change. Yeah, I think when we heard Steve's story and that seems very similar, but it also seems different from most people's I don't know. I, I directed a camp for a long time and a lot of the times we'd have we'd have kids and we'd have more than half of the kids come up and and accept Christ on we had it on Thursday nights just because that was the night that made sense. And the the speakers would always have a different way of presenting the gospel and always really creative ways and and but they they didn't always have the and now he is lord of the, your life and he gets to tell you what to do because he is real and if he is real that's what it means and i think that's that's a huge blessing to start from that point <laughs> because i think mine was more like okay he must be based on the evidence he must be real and so I'm going to act in such a way and pursue him in such a way that he, that I, I will tell him he is real and, and confess that he is real. And through that, I eventually got the, the feeling, I guess, that he is real and I could feel his presence with me. Um, and things did change right away, but they also grew sort of slowly. And 
it seems a lot different when Steve walked out of his concert auditorium, whatever it was, he was like, that's a magnolia tree. I've never seen a tree as beautiful as that. And he, he passed it walking in. Right. And, um, so that, I think that has a big, I don't know. It seems to have a lot to do with it. Right. Like that. But I think that's where a lot of the misunderstanding lies is, is salvation a lordship deal Mm -hmm. or is salvation based on my own choices? Yeah. And sometimes we, we go into those salvation type moments of just say the word, give your life to Jesus and you're saved. And, and, there's there's a lot that's left unsaid, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. when you give your life to Jesus, like you're entering into His lordship, yeah, your life is no longer your own. Mm-hmm. You're offering your life to Him, and I think a lot of people misunderstand that when it comes right down to salvation. Yeah, this isn't a selfish thing. This is a completely selfless thing. You're losing everything of yourself. Yeah. You're not gaining a bunch of stuff. You're losing yourself. Well, but in, in that losing of yourself, you're gaining everything. Yeah, and and I think if we understood what salvation was, as we invite people to the altar, I think we would have a, a different response rate. I really do. Yeah, you know that counting up the cost, right? Yeah, absolutely. Nobody yes. builds a tower without first seeing if he can finish it. Absolutely. Nobody goes to war with not enough troops to win. Pick up your cross and follow me. Right. That that's like, actually yeah. something I've struggled with. So I I did the school and. And I had the thought as I was going through it, almost like mad at the people who led me to Christ because right. it was like, you you guys could have told me, uh, like either you didn't know this yourselves or you were just trying to, to get me to come and, and chill out with the Christians, right? I mean, I understand they got me got me to come to youth group with snowboarding and, and <laughs> the girls, you know, the cute girls that yeah. were my friends, but what made me a Christian was they were telling me, you know, this is how your life could be. So they were giving me the cherry on top, but they weren't giving me the, all the foundational, like yeah. we, we didn't cover the verses like, Hey, the, the world hated me. How much more will it hate you? Right. <laughs> You're not greater than me. We didn't study that one in youth, no. you know, no. like Skip we, over those ones. while we were playing yeah. kickball, we didn't be like, Oh yeah, well, you know, but I, I did get that in my, my own reading of scripture as I was trying to figure it out. And I kept getting cold water poured on me by like, well, he doesn't really say that. And I think we kind of covered that one. But that was huge for me in the school was realizing like they're actually, this isn't just about me punching my ticket to heaven. Right. This is, this is actually not a whole lot about me. Um, so tell me, tell me a little bit about the school and what's it about? What is, I know the... So the first month of school, we went over salvation, and, and that was the foundation. That's why we're talking about it now. But what else do you guys cover, and, and do you have any stories of students who have come with the sort of the North American common view of salvation who have just been, like, radically <laughs> just, like, impacted by this whole brand new way of reading the Bible, which seems just super simple? Like Our, our focus is fairly simple with the, the school. It's... Starts with salvation and moves into what we call uh, inner healing, which is pretty much forgiveness, mm-hmm. finding what lies are and introducing truth in, into your life, and then you move into love month. After that, just really, it, it's all about identity, right? Like, who do you perceive yourself mm-hmm. to be? Do you, do you see yourself with the same lenses as God as God does? And then we move into uh, discipleship after that, which is a very challenging subject because. 
a lot of people are super independent in their Christianity, and so Check. introducing discipleship into this whole mix is a is a foreign concept and a new concept for a lot yeah. of people as well. But hundred percent necessary, so necessary. And then we move into vision after that. So like, so you know who God is to a certain degree. You know who you are and a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the next step for your life? And then a very short month after that, which is a six month, is uh, is give your life away, which. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're not doing by the six month in school, you know, <laughs> so you miss the point. So yeah. it's kind of just reinforcing, mm-hmm. you know, what the whole Christian message is. Yeah, about serve and give your life away. So there, there is a lot of people that come in with that, uh, that oh, I don't know, just uh, the basic thought, I guess, of salvation, Christianity, mm-hmm. what their life is, and then when they're met with truth in terms of what the Bible says, in terms of who Jesus really is. It starts to rewire a lot of people in their thinking. Yeah. Of really, what is truth? What do I believe? What what I, what have I believed? And what am I gonna believe based yeah. on what it says right here in plain text in the Bible? Yeah. The salvation month is probably the most stark in terms of challenging people's perceptions because it goes towards faith. Because mm-hmm. faith is what saves you. If if you if I could be so bold as to narrow down what Paul says in yeah. a phrase, you know? But he, he goes into it all the time. It, it's your faith that caused it. Well, it's Abraham's faith that caused him to be righteous is what mm-hmm. he says. And so we need to bring that into our lives as well. It's our faith that brings that righteousness, the faith of knowing who God is, knowing who we are, and, giving, and having a direction yeah. based on that understanding, you know? And so when you come into that one, just as a uh, as a, a casual observer of Christianity, right? You, like you take that one on. It's just, well, how does my life line up with that? Yeah. You know, and, and that challenges everything right Because Abraham had to do something, right? Like God told him go, and he didn't see where he was going, but he went, right? But he went, yeah. He obeyed, and he obeyed and went. And, and what Paul says is it was credited to him as righteousness. And then Paul's whole point within that Romans chapter 4, 3, 4, 5 uh, section right there is addressing the very point that we we try to, uh, you know, generally give people. <laughs> Salvation looks like something. Yeah. So I know, I know my wife is doing school right now and she came through Salvation Month and she grew up in a, an amazing home, amazing community with a, with a lot of people that serving Jesus was their, their goal every day. Like that was, that was their goal. And yet I think their basic view of salvation probably was along the same lines of, of what a lot of people say, you know, believe in the Lord, your God and confess with your mouth. And it, it just didn't seem like a whole, I don't know. It didn't seem like the same, like consistent, like, let's just read what Jesus says and do them. Um, there was a lot of that same, like, well, he didn't call me to do that just because this person, he called this person to give up everything. I'm not sure he's calling me to do that. And, um, but she was, regardless, we love her family and her community and, and they're one and the same up there, (laughs) but she did, she was rocked by the salvation month. One, I think she, she was rocked by, is it really this simple? Can it really be this simple? (laughs) Right. And there's something where, we're, we're conditioned to believe like, well, this is theology and this is the Bible. Like it, it can't be that easy. And yet Steve, he's, he's like, 
like I'm no educate, I'm no Rhodes scholar, right? I just read what the Bible says, yeah, and I listen to it. And there's there's something both freeing and really weighty about that too, right? Like it's it's for everyone. You read it and you do what it says, or you read it and you don't do what it says. Uh, but I think I think there's a lot of people who just haven't gotten around to reading it. We just take people's word for it, right? Well, absolutely. That, that's where a lot of confusion comes in, is, is that we, we take what everybody else says and we hear different sermons based on different things. But if you don't have a foundation based on uh, truth, based on Jesus, then everything's super confusing. And so just in, in the school of ministry or the school of transformation alone, we look at the foundational understanding of what do the gospels say? Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Let's start with what Jesus says. And let's just believe that. And like that's something that really helped me in my walk as, as, as soon as I got here. Mm-hmm. was just that, that directed learning of let's hear, understand, digest, and do whatever Jesus is telling us in the gospels. Yeah. And that, that's revolutionary. It, it, it makes Christianity easy. Uh, it makes a lot of the uh, the weird things that we believe in Christianity kind of make sense. So, yeah. Well, that might not be right, you know. Yeah. And just that foundational understanding of of what truth really is based on what Jesus says in the mm-hmm. Gospels. And so, so that's like imperative that we teach that right off the bat. Of let us let's do a slow, exhaustive, well, sort of exhaustive study of of the the gospels. Mm-hmm. Let's just slow down, read them on purpose for real, and just have that be the foundation that we build everything on. Yeah, I know when when I was when I was reading the Bible, I would I would do my normal quiet times in the morning, and some of that was like, well, I better do my quiet time, or that's that was sort of like a religious thing, and mm-hmm. not in a good way. But I, it was also a good good time spent with God when it was done for the right reasons. But I would always avoid the Gospels because I thought, oh, that was just that's just you know that's the basics, and I want yeah. the the nitty gritty. Like I want to read Paul, or I want to read, uh, you know, or if if I need to really connect with God, I'm going to read the Psalms. And I actually realized that I looked over the Gospels for a huge chunk of my Christian life, and yet if if we were talking to an outsider. You would you'd be like, well, what do Christians read? Well, they should be reading Christ, right? And that <laughs> seems stuff. easy to an outsider to be like, well, what do? And that, I think that's why sometimes we are seen sort of hypocritically in the North American church because Jesus's words are so stark and so simple, right, to understand, and yet we're like, well, what is what is Paul saying in this small little excerpt here? And and meanwhile, we're disregarding these big, easy things, easy to understand things that Jesus has said of us. And, um, and so I know, I know a lot of people though are going to be thinking that just sounds, that sounds the way you guys read the Bible and determine salvation or understand salvation. That sounds legalistic. Have you ever heard somebody say that? What do you think? Yeah. All the time. But that comes from a, a perspective that completely dismisses the intimacy of God. Hmm. You know, like the reason why I want to follow Jesus so closely is because I love him. Yeah. It's just, it, it, to me, it's that simple. It's like if with any other relationship in my life, I want to protect that relationship and protecting that person that I'm walking with hmm. and, and honoring what they honor. And so it has to be the same way with Jesus. 
you know, like I'm yeah. married obviously. And like I do things for my wife that, you know, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to do, but I, I protect the relationship. And so it's the same thing yeah. with Jesus. And and it's, it's not like, necessarily, it's not necessarily like a tough slog to be like, oh, I have to do the dishes because it's going to make my wife happy. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> but when there's a real face and a real person that you really love in front of you, yeah. And you get to see their face walking through the door and like, wow, you cleaned up the house. Like that's a little bit easier than than just imagining Jesus is pleased with you. At least for me, you know? Yeah. But that that's a helpful analogy because if we say we're in a relationship with Christ, we ought to be doing the things that make him happy. Absolutely. And we we obviously expect him to do the things that that benefit us. So <laughs> Why why can't we do the things that make him happy, which we talked about in a previous episode? What What is Jesus passionate about? And he's passionate about people, and he's passionate about relationships, and he's not necessarily passionate about financially blessing us and giving us security and a retirement fund. No, it, um, it goes back absolutely to he's my Lord. I'm following him. Mm-hmm. It's This isn't about me. This is about me serving him. And and. That matters to me as we as we move forward into this yeah. this Christianity that looks like something. Mm-hmm. And so I've had this conversation with a lot of people. Now, Jordy, it sounds pretty legalistic to me. It's like I'm just doing my best to honor God. Yeah, I got some conditions, I guess you would say, in my life that I place on myself based on who Jesus is telling me that I am, and I honor mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you know. And people will tell me that's legalistic. It's like, well, that's my relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. It enhances my relationship with him. It doesn't take away from it. Yeah, I guess nobody would say, "Well, that's legalistic that your wife doesn't let you, you know, go party with other women, right?" <laughs> right. Well, that's legalistic. No, that's that's just sense. the definition of marriage, right? Like yeah, that's it's an honor. The the good <laughs> definition of good marriage, I guess. Um, that's helpful. So in the church, we have this sort of a, a common view that that isn't really helpful and it's it's sort of basic it's sort of not full grown immature but what is that you talked a little bit about what that led to in your life but what do you see that leading to sort of macro view in the lives of christians who as the body of christ are not really understanding the biblical way of salvation do you see anything like i mean i i see just logically if we're saying Okay, well, you're saved once at whatever time in, you know, fixed point in time that occurred, and you, you are saved past tense. I mean, I would, I would feel super complacent if that was, if I knew that. Right. Be like, okay, well, well, good, you sunk, you know, or uh, thinking back to hockey, you scored a goal in the first period, we win. Right. That's not, that's not how that works, right? Like, I'm just thinking of that because there was an overtime winner last night, but. <laughs> no big deal. Um, like, you know, you win the game when the game is over. And I don't know, do you see complacency growing in oh, the church? Definitely. definitely. It's, I think it all comes down to a misunderstanding of who, who we really are, who God has set us up to be as a church in the world. Cause Southside is a great example of this. Cause you can't go down the street and look down Southside and say, Oh, we're, we're good. You know, we're good. You know, there's burned out places. People living in places they should never be living. People doing stuff to each other they should never be doing. And us as a Christian church are going, yeah, we're good. We're good. I get to go to heaven when I die. I'm good. You know, there's that, there's that, uh, something just doesn't add up to me with that. 
knowing that we have the presence of God in us, that -hmm. God has given us responsibility to do something, and then for us to do absolutely nothing with it, boggles my mind. Well, I mean, there's one thing going through suburbia, whether that's in Canada or the U.S. or wherever you're from, and people who are you know doing well and they look like they're doing well, and they're saying, "Yeah, my I have a relationship with Jesus and and I am saved." That's that's one thing. But we actually hear that often around here from these the people that are living in abject poverty and they're shooting themselves up and they have you know this that and the other thing that they're dealing with and they still say oh yeah i'm i'm a jesus man right. i'm i'm with him and that like i wasn't expecting that when i got here uh i heard steve talk about that in his sermons that i'd listen to and be like yeah that that can't actually be how it is right like these people actually think that they're good yeah because they they went to a church once and accepted christ and that's that's another thing that scares me is like how many kids that I was the speaker at camp or I was the guy, you know, their cabin leader or unit leader or whatever. And I would sit down and have a conversation with them and I would feel this like sense of accomplishment. And it, and it is a sense of accomplishment when you introduce somebody to Jesus. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of those, those introductions because they were special, but I, my mind has changed a little bit about, well, is the work done? Because I would see kids, I would see kids every, hopefully like my goal was to get them to come back every single summer and eventually become staff and leaders and people that I could really speak into their life for more than just a one week. Because one week, yeah, you can see a lot of change in someone, but over a whole, you know, years, that's when you see change and life on life stuff. And there were startlingly few kids who maybe when they're 11 accepted Jesus who were still like, whoo, I'm on fire for him, you know, five years later at 16, 17, when life is really coming at you. So I, I don't know. I, I just don't see that that one-time thing as something to celebrate as the end, right? right? It just leads to sort of complacency. And another thing we see in the church, we're just seeing it more and more like every every week it seems like there's somebody else some leader in the church we've all celebrated oh well sleeping with somebody who's not his wife or stealing from the church right do you do you see any parallel there with views of salvation and sort of moral failures that we're seeing that might be a big step to take and and we're not going to lay it all on well he had a bad you know whatever view of salvation (laughs) but do you see any parallels there I, I do. It's, it is it is in the personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Personal responsibility of him as your Lord and Savior. And then you having something that the world needs and you not taking responsibility for it. Right? I, I, I see the, all this stuff hand in hand. When you come into salvation, it's not just a matter of I get to go to heaven when I die. Right? It's a matter of I get to carry his kingdom around mm-hmm. with me everywhere I go. And what the world sees that I do is a demonstration of who God is. And so when people have moral failures and all that stuff, it, it, there is a parallel. It's not as, as, as cut and dry and simple as, well, I didn't take his salvation seriously, mm-hmm. you know, although that's very much part of it. But, but it, it goes to the level of you didn't realize and you don't realize who is inside of you and who you get to represent. Mm-hmm. Like Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians calls us ambassadors, ambassadors for, for Christ, for the reconciliation 
uh, for us to God. Like mm-hmm. that's a massive deal, you know? And that's something that we gain through salvation is this understanding that I am with God. Mm-hmm. I'm doing what he says is important. I'm doing what he feels is passionate to do. And I'm going to do these things. And I'm going to honor them. Yeah. And so like moral failure is, is directed for sure, you know, towards our false understanding of what uh, salvation really is. Mm-hmm. And, and when you, when you believe that the people that you're leading, when they're already saved and you, you already led them to the promised land, it's, you know, when, when you don't think they, they might be looking at you, but well, if I, if I mess up, it's not, it's not going to reflect on their eternity. When you believe that that's like a, a weight that's taken off your shoulders that probably shouldn't be taken off your shoulders. Like uh, I think Chesterton says like, don't take offense away until you know what's on the other side, right? And yeah. we've removed some of the some of the fences to, you know, we've removed some of the fences that made the narrow road the narrow road, I right. think. Yeah, very much. And so now we're all walking, you know, 30 abreast on this wide road. And I don't think that's really the, a good thing, you know? No, there's an identity shift that has to happen of understanding who we really are. And th- th- those are going to start to change our behaviors and our values and all that. You know, it, there, there has to be continued pressure towards, I represent God. Mm-hmm. I, I get to show the world who he is. You know, and it's something that I, I don't see much anymore in, in, the, in, the, in the larger church, unfortunately, of just knowing our responsibility and taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. There's pockets of it, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I don't see it across the board as much as I think it needs to be. Yeah. You know, like how else would you walk up and down Southside and say, no, I'm a, I'm a blood-bought child of God while you're doing awful things? Like, mm-hmm. like what, what, what happened there? Yeah. And <laughs> like, who, like the, who taught yeah, you that? The identity transfer didn't take place because you would never do those things knowing you represent God. Yeah. Knowing the world is watching you of going, well, oh, this person says they believe. Let's see what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it's a huge deal to me. And that's one of the things that I learned when we were studying, you know, should we move here? Should we not? Is I think I even heard you speak about this once on, on one of the, one of your sermons that was online it was about it will take a look at that the lives of the people you are considering following take a look at what the what results their theology their way of living has on their life their personal life and the the lives of those around them and and then you can really see the fruit and whether that's good and you want to follow them or if it's not good and you know, red flags are a big deal and you should probably not follow that person. That's right. So we, it took us to, like, we, we came here once and then we came back for another visit. Yeah, we came once to help with the mud run, which it's mud run season now. So if we sound tired, that's why. <laughs> um, but, and then we came once with our daughter and just to see what it, what it would be like to actually live here because it was important to see how y'all lived and if that's, if if what you're saying is just for Sundays or Wednesday nights, or if it's actually the way you live on a Monday morning when you didn't get any sleep or, you know, when, when tragedy strikes or the storm hits. Right. So I think, I think that's the biggest way we can distinguish between, are you believing the right thing about salvation? Are you believing, 
Are you believing what everybody else is believing and then your life is going to look like everybody else's? Or are you believing something that's true and you're actually getting the fruit that Jesus promises you're going to get? Uh, and I, th- I think that's probably the biggest reason we came to, to be here was because we saw that fruit, right? So what are some of those those things? What can you look for in somebody who has that intimacy with Christ based on real truth of knowing that they're saved? Well, that's a long list. (laughs) I don't know where to begin. What would be like your first thing to look at and be like, Oh, I'm so you, you follow Steve, right? Like I, I followed you when I got here, you were leading my school and I said, okay, I'm going to follow Jordy because I like that guy. I like what he's got. And so I'm going to follow him and you follow Steve. So what do you see in Steve's life? That you're like, yeah, this man's this man deserves to be followed. He's trustworthy yeah. to be followed. He's he believes the right stuff. Well, yeah, there's there's a few things that initially attracted me to him, to that to the degree that I could say like I will follow this man anywhere. And like the first one is absolutely that he wasn't confused, mm-hmm. that he he knew truth, that he knew the right way, and like that was something that was that stood out to me right away. Yeah, and that's then, huge. And then I watched his life. In, in terms of how he dealt with other people, um, with generosity mm-hmm. and with absolute sacrifice. Like he would do anything for anybody, even though it, it inconvenienced him greatly to do it. He was still able to do it, not just able to do it, but happy to do it. Mm-hmm. And so the generosity that I saw, saw coming out of that guy and the absolute willingness to give his life for anybody. And then uh, ultimately just the, the fact that he wasn't confused. That he knew where he was going and he was confident about it. Yeah, you know, I think that's just three things that I think you should look be looking for in people that you want to follow. Are they confused? Are they? Are they? Do they know truth in terms of how it plays out in their personal life? How it comes out in their families? How it comes out mm-hmm. in their business? How it comes out in just normal relationships around them? You know? Yeah. And then the absolute sacrificial living. Uh, that that somebody does just based on I love you just because you are somebody mm-hmm. you know and that's my job description I I'm, yeah. I'm supposed to represent Jesus so I love you <laughs> like he would build houses knowing that he's not quite sure of who's going to be living in those houses yeah. renovating the houses in Southside you know mm-hmm. but he would do it just on the chance that hey maybe somebody cool is going to show up here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just given all of his time and resources and everything, just to transform a neighborhood, just for the chance that somebody might just show up. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Not many people do that. Yeah, and they don't around here. It's a rough place, but they don't bother us that much. They they see the stickers, the father's house stickers on our cars, and I mean, I've less accidentally left some pretty valuable stuff in my car overnight, and been pretty surprised that. <laughs> You know, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if people have been walking by like, hmm, that's a nice camera and, or, you know, his daughter's bike's in the back of the car or whatever. Uh, Maybe they just don't want my stuff, but maybe it's that they know what we're doing. They see what we're doing, right? There's some of it to that. Like, we're not immune by any means. Right. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. You've got stuff stolen from you, right? We we lost our little kid's stroller or our kid's uh, bike stroller that... Tote my girls around behind me, but but we, we do have a presence in the neighborhood of people know like yeah don't touch their stuff yeah you know but every once in a while somebody forgets yeah <laughs> yeah they they haven't been taught by the rest of their friends yeah, yeah I I think that one reason why I, I don't know I think meeting the people here was so different for me 
in terms of this, like not being confused, like you said, and, and the actual, like seeing how generous Steve was and, and how his relationships played out. I think I, I saw a lot of people, I had lots of good mentors. I, I'm really thankful for the good mentors. I had a great camp director boss. Um, I had a great college campus ministry leader and, and I think there's some other, some other pastors and, and stuff like early in college, I, I remember like, man, my pastor's really cool. I really like this guy, but I, I didn't really know him. I didn't really know his life. And, and I still think he's really cool, but I, I didn't have like a personal relationship with him. And, mm-hmm. and now I, I mean, once a month we go up for breakfast at Steve's house and he cooks for, you know, 50 guys and we just light things on fire and eat red meat and eggs and <laughs> stuff. And, right. and we get to do life together and that's cool. I guess what I'm trying to say is we don't know what we're missing. Right. So yeah. we see somebody like, oh, their life seems pretty great. Uh, you know, they've got they've got a nice car, but not too nice. And they've got a nice house and nice family, but not too nice, you know. Um, so they must be a really good Christian. I should follow them. And I, I think that was categorically different from the way I saw the people here when we visited. It wasn't just like, oh, I guess they're pretty cool. I'll follow them. It was like, they are different. They must be following Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty special. I don't think I would have moved my family here if it wasn't for that. Right. And there are days when I'm like, oh, I moved my family here. <laughs> and there are days where I'm like, yeah, I moved my family here. Oh, yeah. And it's it's still a struggle. But I think I think Jesus really honors that, that like, hey, follow me. It's not going to be easy. And I think that comes with being being on fire for Jesus. I'm finding it it is a daily struggle for me to be like I, I talked to with Steve about this. I get to work for Jesus. Yeah. And getting in that mindset. Some days it's there, some days it's not. And some days the circumstances of I live in Southside are are hard. But I I can also see that that the things in life there that are good are not easy. And I think that was a, a splinter in my mind that was sort of there all the while I was living sort of nominal Christianity where it's like, hey, this isn't this too easy? Like I just preached to a bunch of kids and now they're all Christians and now my job's done. Like, isn't that, isn't that too easy? So I just feel in some ways a lot more peace in that part of being here. Yeah. And uh, and I think like my time at school, the School of Transformation was really pivotal for that. So I think we're almost out of time, but what would you say for somebody who's listening to the podcast and would be like, hey, that school sounds pretty cool, or uh, maybe I need something like that. What do they do? Like, what what would you, who is it for? And and what would you say to somebody who's hearing that and thinking that? It's really for somebody that wants a different experience with Christianity. You know, some place that would challenge you into knowing what, uh, community really is mm-hmm. knowing who you really truly are. Like we're a community on steroids, really. Of, of <laughs> like, of, of trying to find out who Jesus really is, and trying to find out what that makes us. And we do this through service, and we do this through study. And and if you're into that kind of an environment of community, of having your life on display, mm-hmm. of giving your life away, then then we're a great place for that. Or even so. if you want to get into that, and like me, I, 
There's, there's a lot of things I thought I wanted. And then you get here and, and you're like, oh, but it was amazing, right? Like the, you can't argue with the results. My, yeah. my family's like, my girls are across the street right now at the co-op playing with friends and playing with your son. Right. And yeah. just, just hanging out and, and they're coming home with a different song about Jesus every day. Like they're not, they're not getting that at, you know, at daycare or anywhere else. And, um, the, the conversations you have with people around here, the, the messages three times a week, really the messages, uh, they're just like, I can't remember ever having a message, a single message be as powerful as the three that we get each week here. And just like, wow, going home, you know, like Wednesday night, you're like, that's the best message I ever heard Friday morning. (laughs) That's the best message I ever heard Sunday. Wow. That's the best message I ever heard. And and I just, I'm, I'm just happy. I still struggle, but I'm, I'm happy we're here. So, um, thanks, Jordy, for joining us. Good I appreciate job. it. My pleasure. Well, next week on the Uncommon Truth, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Specifically, we're going to be asking the question: Why does Jesus live inside of us? Is it just to have a comfortable life and to feel His presence to get us through our Monday? Or does he actually have a purpose for us that he set aside that we're going to need his spirit for? That's what we're going to be talking about next week. So if that piques your interest, definitely subscribe. And if you know somebody who would like to listen to the podcast, please share it with them. That's how we're going to grow. And that's how we're going to have more conversations with more people about the church as Jesus meant it to be. So please share the podcast. You can leave us a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play Music, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts at. And that'll help people see what we're talking about. And it'll help get people who really want to hear these types of discussions involved with it too. In the meantime, you can check out the show notes underneath the show and that will show you our website. That's going to get you connected to the School of Transformation website. Uh, That's Jordy's department there. If you want more information about the School of Transformation, it's right there in front of you. And you can also get involved by dropping us a line on our Instagram and Facebook and checking out some of our sermons and stuff on our YouTube channel. Or you can just see our website, which is changeoroville.org. All of that in the show notes underneath the show. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. Until then, this has been The Uncommon Truth.